Um, today, as I mentioned before, we, we wrap up our Connect series called The Resurrection Effect. We've been taking kind of a different approach uh, throughout this series as we've been looking at the last chapter of each of the Gospels. We started on Easter uh, looking at John 20, and then when, when Pastor Joe Polzin was here, he continued in that chapter. And then the last couple weeks, we've looked at Matthew 28 and Mark 16. And so uh, as we've been doing this, we've been focusing on, as the title suggests, the effect of the resurrection of Jesus from the dead on the people who first experienced it. Um, And so today, uh, we end our series with Luke 24, which starts with these words. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you, while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men. And be crucified, and on the third day, rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna, and Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale. They did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. This is the word of the Lord. Don't be ridiculous. Has anyone ever said that to you? I'm guessing probably everyone here has had that, uh, told them at some point. When someone tells you, don't be ridiculous, uh, usually it's because uh, they think that that something you did was, was silly or maybe kind of embarrassing or annoying, um, or they thought something that you had just said was just patently absurd, like, you know what, I really miss the winter. Uh, don't be ridiculous. Or um, James Harden is the best basketball player the NBA has ever seen. No? <laughs> That's pretty ridiculous, too. Um, here in Luke chapter 24... The women who come to the tomb and become the first witnesses of Jesus' resurrection from the dead are essentially told, not once, but twice, don't be ridiculous. The first time is by the two men that appear to them in, in dazzling apparel. Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Or to put it another way, don't be ridiculous. This place of death is the last place you will ever find the Lord of life because he destroyed death and is alive forever and ever. And so the women couldn't wait to go and tell the 11 disciples and all the rest what had happened. He was alive. Death was defeated. Jesus was risen from the dead just as he said. They ran and they ran, heralds of this great good news, and they became the first human messengers Of the resurrection. And how did the disciples respond to all of this? Don't be ridiculous. Come on, ladies. You know that dead men do not 
come back to life. I don't know what you think you saw, but your hopeful tale is impossible. I know you're hurting. We all are, but making up fanciful stories isn't going to help anyone. Please, don't be ridiculous. In each of the Gospels, we've seen that uh, the first reactions, or at least one of the first reactions that people tend to have about the resurrection of Jesus is doubt and disbelief. And Luke reports this too. He says, The words of the women seemed to the disciples to be an idle tale, and they did not believe them. An idle tale. The Greek word that Luke uses here to describe the, the reaction of the disciples toward the women and their message uh, is leros. And it's actually first and foremost a medical term, uh, which makes sense because Luke, uh, his day job when he was not writing gospels was actually as a physician um, or as a doctor. And so he uses this medical term and it means nonsense, but not just any nonsense. It means the kind of nonsense that comes about when someone is suffering from hysteria, when someone is, is having fever-related hallucinations. It is the wild talk of, of the sick and the delirious. Under the circumstances, it's maybe understandable that the disciples viewed the women's report in this way. Everybody was under a lot of stress. And they could hardly be blamed for a little wishful thinking. But there's more to it than that. In the Greco-Roman world of the first century, the, the testimony of women was considered to be unreliable and could not even be used to help settle legal disputes. Women were generally regarded as unstable, unpredictable, and undependable. Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> the way that we tend to think of old wives' tales is how society in general viewed women in general at the time. You know, when you swallow gum, what happens? It stays in your stomach for how long? Seven years, right? You know, you don't want to cross your eyes because if you do, what might happen? They might stay that way. These are idle tales, right? This is how the input of women was viewed by society back then. Yet, God chooses women to be the first proclaimers of the good news of Jesus' resurrection. So today, on, on this Mother's Day, I want to invite you to uh, consider this question. How often have I failed to listen to the women that God has placed in my life? And I don't mean that as a joke. The disciples responded to the women that God had entrusted with the most important news ever conveyed, with a roll of the eyes and, and a wave of the hand. Have you ever treated your wife or your mother in a similar way? God has given your mother a very special role. Oftentimes mothers are, are the number one faith former in the family, in a person's life. Women continue to be frontline conveyors to us of the message of hope that we have in Jesus. So God instructs you to treat your mother with respect, to honor her, to love her. Now, I'm just going to go ahead and, uh, and lay this out here now. Some of us gathered here today um, might not be here because they want to be here, um, but because you feel you have to be here for your mom. Now, if that's you, first of all, let me say 
Good for you uh, for loving your mother and respecting her enough to be here today. Uh, At the same time, if that's you, if you've been regarding the message of Christ that's been handed down to you uh, from your mother as something that's worthy only of a a roll of the eyes and and a wave of the hand, I invite you today to examine what happened that Sunday morning, uh, just like Peter did. If you find that, that you've slid slowly away from the church, that you've been sliding slowly away from Christ, today is your chance to reclaim your faith, to take it seriously again. Now, if none of that applies to you, I I still want to ask you this. Do we ever treat the story of Easter as just another story? You know, it's kind of fun and and exciting for a while. Uh, We allow it to be real and relevant for us at, at certain times of the year, or uh, during certain seasons of life, maybe, when it's convenient or helpful. Uh, But the rest of the time, maybe we allow the new life, won for us by the death and resurrection of Jesus, to sink into the background, become an afterthought. Sometimes we don't allow the power of his resurrection to matter to us. And when we do that, we are treating it, for all practical purposes, like an idle tale. Well, no longer... Christ is risen from the dead. Let's welcome that news into our hearts each day with joy and let it transform our lives. Um, We'll continue in Luke chapter 24 uh, with a story of traveling of two disciples on their way uh, right after the events of of what happened uh, to the women. So Luke continues here, that very day, Two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And, uh, okay, I want to make sure we're all uh, where we're supposed to be. Perfect, thank you. So we'll continue here. Um, actually, let's, let's start from the top here. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. And one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning. And when they did not find his body, they came back, saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. He said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village 
to which they were going. He acted as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. This is the word of the Lord. So there are a number of places in the Bible where people find themselves right in the presence of God and have no idea whatsoever. Um, I've listed several of these in your Connect insert. Again, we invite you to take this home and and reflect on on what you've heard and experienced here. Um, But I have several of those instances listed here in, in your Connect insert. I think this one maybe takes the cake out of all of them, though, because for seven miles, these two followers of Jesus walk and talk with Jesus and have no idea that it's Jesus. But that's not to say he hadn't been dropping some pretty heavy hints Looking back on their experience, the two men said to one another, Did not our hearts burn within us as we walked, as while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? When's the last time your heart was burning in the presence of Jesus? Maybe it was here a few weeks ago at our Connect Easter service. Maybe it was this morning when you woke up to a new and beautiful day to be lived with Jesus. Or maybe it's been a long time since it even really caught your attention. These two men's hearts were burning, but they were too preoccupied to really notice it or figure out what it meant. What might that look like for us? Now, in hindsight, looking back on our lives spent in the presence of Jesus, might we find ourselves saying something like, Did not our hearts burn within us while we went about our busy lives? Texting and Instagramming and going out with friends, taking the kids to soccer practice, working hard for promotions, going about the busy activities of life. Well, by the mercy of Jesus, he used these men's burning hearts to open their eyes. And that happened in two ways. First, it began to happen as Jesus explained to them all the things concerning himself. And Moses and the prophets. This was a common shorthand way to speak of the entire Old Testament. The Greek word that's used here suggests um, actually translating a foreign language. Though the scriptures had always spoken clearly of Jesus' coming death and resurrection, his followers couldn't yet speak its language. And so Jesus interprets it for them and opens their eyes to what God has always been saying. And how he has fulfilled God's mission through his own resurrection. As St. Augustine has said, Everything in the scripture speaks of Christ, but only to him who has ears. He opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And so let us pray, he will open our own. But Jesus didn't just open their eyes to see what the scriptures 
had said about him. He opened their eyes to see him. In the breaking of the bread, they recognized that Jesus was right there with them. We also recognize the presence of Jesus in the breaking of the bread. As he comes to us a little later on in this service, through the bread of Holy Communion, his true body given for us for the forgiveness of our sins. In the sacrament, Jesus is truly here and present with us. In fact, in every moment of our lives, Jesus is truly here and present with us as a companion on the road, walking with us, talking with us, and staying with us through the evening hours and beyond. He will never leave. So, how can you allow the burning fire in your heart, put there by the presence of Jesus in your life, to flourish into holy flames that can give light and warmth to those around you? How can you, with fixed eyes, interpret the word of God for others so that they can come to see Jesus in it? And how can you, who know Jesus to be by your side in all things, make his presence known to those around you? As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate before them. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. This is the word of the Lord. And so we come to the end, uh, the last section of the last chapter of the last gospel that we're looking at uh, throughout our series. And this is a fitting end uh, because here Jesus demonstrates two things. First, that this is where God's whole plan has been heading all along. And second, that this is only the beginning. Let's talk about that first one first. Um, In each of the three sections of Luke 24 that we've looked at today, there's a persistent theme of fulfillment. The angel said to the women that Jesus had risen just as he said. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words, Luke says. 
Then on the road to Emmaus, as we heard a few minutes ago, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And now here at the end of Luke's gospel, as Jesus appears to the 11 disciples who had dismissed his resurrection as an idle tale just hours before, we hear this. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Christ has risen from the dead just as God had promised from the very beginning. And here he lays it all out for his disciples who had been with him through it all but had failed to see the plan of God as it unfolded before their very eyes. Now Jesus removes the veil from them and and graciously opens their minds to understand what was right in front of them all along. Thanks be to God that by his mercy, Jesus takes us who are foolish and slow to believe what the prophets have written and gives us the gift through his Holy Spirit of understanding the scriptures, that they testify of him and in their message of the suffering and glory of the Christ, we have eternal life. Now, these past two weeks, I've shown you a couple of clips from a hidden camera magic TV show called The Carbonaro Effect, where illusionist Michael Carbonaro plays magic tricks on unsuspecting members of the public who have no idea that he's even a magician. Now, today, I want to show you how, how those uh, videos usually end as he uh, reveals to the people what's really going on. So let's take a look. Right now. Oh, yeah, okay. You haven't heard of the TV show The Carbonaro Effect? No. Oh, yeah, it's the name of a uh, hidden camera magic TV show. Like you're on right now. Huh? What just happened? <laughs> is this a joke? It, this is a magic show. What? <laughs> no! Yes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you were the best. What if I told you that you were on that show right now? <laughs> You were amazing. <laughs> you were great. Why did you do this? Oh my god. Oh my god, I'm cute. You were like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> Where are the cameras? Are the people yeah. going to come out? I'm like, really? I'm serious. And you're on my TV show right now. And you are awesome. Oh, you're awesome. No, man. you're awesome. <laughs> it's called the Carbonaro effect. Have you not heard of that before? No. It's also the name of a hidden camera, magic, TV show. Like the one you're on right now. (laughs) 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 Jennifer, get over here. No! Come here, you. No! Come on. I'm Michael Carbonaro. You're lying. And I am lying. I'm a magician. And you were so, so nice and smooth and everything. I knew there was something special about you. I knew there was something special about you. You know, all along there was this burning in her heart. Something was going on. Well, the big revelation at the end of each uh, little vignette of the Carbonaro effect is that the unbelievable things these people have been experiencing all along had been fake and contrived. The big revelation at the end of the Gospels, on the other hand, is that the unbelievable things the disciples just experienced had been real 
and genuine all along. And yet I bet the expressions on the faces of the disciples as the risen Jesus opened up the scriptures to them were not very different from the faces of the people we just saw on that video. You know, that look where you can see that everything is starting to come together and make sense. The people in the Carbonaro effect are unwitting observers with no way of knowing what's going on. The disciples had been told time and again by Jesus that he would suffer and die and rise again in three days, just as he said, over and over again. Yet they hadn't listened. They had heard him, maybe, but they hadn't listened. Another appropriate theme for Mother's Day. What about you? Have you heard the promises of Jesus? Have you listened to them? Do you believe in his power? Do you believe that Jesus rose from the dead just as he said? And do you trust that his resurrection means that your sin has been cast far away from you and that you have been given new life? All is now accomplished. God's eternal plan is fulfilled. And yet, this is only the beginning. Just as Jesus told his disciples, so he tells you, you are witnesses of these things. You and I have been clothed with power from on high. We have been given the gift of the promised Holy Spirit. May we go out and have a resurrection effect on this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the peace of God which transcends our understanding guard your hearts and your minds in and through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.